For Truth with a Texas Twain, Fireside Talk Radio, the show where women ponder the things we store in our hearts. Host Kathy Carafi invites experts to talk openly about what women care about, like how to create lifelong companionship, dealing with mental illness in our families, bullying at school, and many others. You name it, we talk about it. Listen in now as Kathy helps us find answers to our most tender questions. Welcome to Camp Crafty's Fireside Talk Radio, where our goal is to ponder over all the tried and true stuff we women store away in our hearts as we knit our families together in lifelong fellowship. Our favorite verse on this show is, but Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Luke 2.19. Now, Home Instead Senior Care provides trustworthy, kind-hearted senior home care services in your loved one's home, and they are our sponsors, and we are always so grateful for them. I didn't want to forget to mention Home Instead Senior Care. Today, I have a really outstanding guest, and it's a personal treat for me to welcome you, Danny Sessoms, to the show. We're glad to be here with you. Well, listen, people have no idea what they're in. What a treat. I'm just so glad listening friends have checked into this podcast. You're going to love what Danny has to say. And I have a whole bio on you, but Danny, I got it off your website. And by the way, you can find Danny at Danny, S-E-S-S-U-M dot com. Oh, did I say S? It has, he has four S's in his name, Danny Sessoms dot com. And you're going to want to know that, so I'll, I'll repeat it as we go through the show. Danny is a dear friend of ours, mine and David's, and he and his wife. He's a historian, an educator, a museum professional. He is uh, married to one, of, to one of the great women in the world, and he is a graduate of so many schools, has taught in different colleges. He is, some of his, just for the Red Raiders out there. He's a Texas Tech grad, a University of Texas at Arlington, Louisiana State University where he got his doctorate, and he is an antebellum expert. I mean, I could just keep going on, but here's what I want people to know about you because I'm going to mention your book, and I'm going to mention it a couple of times, Danny, because I know some people who are writers listen to this show, and Danny has done all the research you could ever hope to need on this subject that we're about to talk about, but He's also married to a romance novelist, and so his book does not read boring. It reads really fun. In fact, I, I know you're just laughing, like, when are you going to get to talk? What we're talking about today is what it's like to grow up as a history nerd, and then we're going to do another segment, another podcast on how to raise history-loving kids, and believe me, Danny is the expert. So that is enough of your bio, Danny. I could go on all day. So let me just ask you first, what did your parents do? How did they get this kid that became such a scholar and also so much fun? Like, I love to hear you talk about history. Well, you're very kind to me. And uh, I grew up in the Texas Panhandle. Uh, I had a pretty rough childhood. My father was a bootlegger. Uh, my, no. mother was, my mother was an oil field secretary. My dad was killed a month before I turned nine. And uh, so I really ran the streets of my hometown, Border, Texas, and therefore I got a very good common sense education. 
And as luck would have it, uh, I ended up with my granddad just after my junior year, uh, worked in the Fort Worth area. At the end of the summer, I was trying to augur to stay there and go to school uh, and finish high school there and go to TCU. But he said, you need to go back to Borger and finish school because you're the first Sessoms I kid I've met that I think could really be something. I went back, and uh, my senior year, I was involved in so many activities, athletic sports, to uh, my senior plays and my Western Days programs. And my student council uh, awarded a one-year college scholarship to a deserving student that they didn't think would be able to afford to go otherwise. And I was at least half of that. I was one of those people who wouldn't have been able to go. But that's <laughs> <laughs> so I was unable to do that. And as luck would have it, I earned an academic scholarship uh, my second year at uh, Texas Tech and just rocketed right on through. And I graduated in 68 and moved to Dallas. Was going to go to school at SMU to major in anthropology and it just didn't work out right, so I went back to school at UT Arlington and switched my majors from anthropology, paleontology, to uh, history and uh, U.S. Uh-huh. history, emphasis uh-huh. on pre-Civil War. Wow. Okay. So when did you know that history was your thing? Was it in college then, and it was kind of a – did you develop a love for it after you switched gears? Because you, you started out in anthropology. Uh, I did, and the reason I started out in that was when I was a kid in junior high school. I was out hiking out east of my hometown, and I found a uh, large uh, extinct fossil of a type of an animal uh, called a megatherium, a giant ground sloth, and uh, that ran in the newspaper locally, and I became known as Dinosaur Dan as a result. (laughs) my, My students in Border all call me that even to this very day. But uh, the impetus for the history part of it, uh, the Civil War centennial was going on in 1961-65. And uh, when I stayed with my granddad, he mentioned that I had an ancestor who was in a uh, Confederate organization. He didn't know much about it during the Civil War, but he wanted to find out. And uh, I promised him I would do that. And years later, when I went to the National Archives in Washington, I was able to pick up all the bi-monthly muster rolls of my direct antecedent and his three brothers who served during the Civil War. Wow. That is so interesting because you have you have now written this whole, I mean, two volumes on the Texas. I don't even yes. know how to talk about this. Texas Brigades. So tell me a little bit about that, how you got That's- interested in, in the Texas piece of this. It's a lifelong work. I I will refer to it as a tome, very large. Both volumes uh, constitute about 700 to 800 pages, not counting footnotes, bibliography, etc. So it's a lengthy work, but it captures, I think, fairly well the history of an organization that rose in 1861 and 62 and fought throughout the rest of the war uh, on the side of the South in the state of Texas, included some infantry regiments and what were called dismounted cavalrymen, who were people jerked off their horses and made into infantrymen during the war. And I was working in a museum in Cleburne, Texas, and uh, as a volunteer, and uh, got interested in why they had Cleburne, who was an Arkansas general, 
why they had his pistol in their uh, museum, the Leyland Museum down there. So I began to research and found out there were a number of companies raised right there in the uh, Johnson County area, and I got interested in them, found out about the regiments they were in. That just kept expanding, expanding until finally. And the, and the funny thing to me is I've lived all over the state of Texas, and virtually everywhere I have lived other than the Texas Panhandle, I've always found some of my men enrolled in regiments that were raised in these counties like East Texas here that had two regiments in this brigade. And uh, South Texas, when I was down at Lamar University, also had 24th and 25th Texas Cavalry dismounted that were from that area. That's a, you know, it's such a technical kind of uh, all these terms. And as a I'm really an amateur when it comes to Civil War history. It, I I find that antebellum era interesting, but I never wanted to live there because they didn't have indoor plumbing, mainly. that You know, some people wish they could have lived in that era, but it never appealed to me. And so Gone with the Wind was a, a story that I enjoyed growing up, but it wasn't some place, an era that I wanted to live in. But I think it's interesting how many people are still so fascinated by this uh, this war that happened between the states, the you know, the unified states of America. So I want to I want to ask you a little bit more about your own uh, how how your interest developed. And the reason I care is I think there's so many people who are growing up with children like they're trying to raise kids that are interested in history. And a lot of adults don't get history. I, I personally love it, I, but mainly because I love the stories. And I want you to know, Danny, that is one of the things I loved about your book. And I don't want many listeners to be confused. Your book has, like, if you're a writer, here's what I made a list of things. If Danny has done your research for you if you're a writer. If you're writing about the Annabellum South, Texas, Midwest, Civil War, Pioneers, any uncommon war stories, if you have to give a speech or need to add that into your book. If you want to create characters that check any of those boxes, or if you're a reenactor, or if you're a museum curator, he's done all your work for you. But what's so great about the way you write, Danny, is you include the stories. And, and I actually pulled a few excerpts, so we may have time for those. Right now we have two minutes. So growing up, did you have any idea that this would be a lifelong pursuit for you? Well, it's something I labored long and hard for to accomplish. I really thought of it as more of a pipe dream, you know, that I, if, if I left out, I would probably end up going to work for Phillips Petroleum Company or J.M. Huber in the Texas Panhandle oil field. In fact, I, I grew up working in those things when I was younger. But, uh, again, the emphasis that so many people stepped into my lives at just the most convenient time. And they whipped me forward at each step so that I was enabled to get to do the great things that I've done. And I hope that in some manner I have repaid people. As a child, I knew that my fellow neighbors, students at school, et cetera, loved history. And the reason got, they loved history. You got one minute, so, so wrap it up. Go ahead. Are you still there? Okay, we have one minute to the break. Danny Sessoms, 
S-E-S-S-U-M-S.com. And we're going to come back and I'm going to get Danny to tell me some of his favorite stories from history and also share a little bit about the documentary that is his next dream come true. This man has pulled together so much Texas history, especially Civil War era in these two volumes that he's created. And they're fun to read. So stay with us as we go to the break. And don't forget, you can find all this information at Kathy Craffy. K-R-A-F as in Frank, V as in Victor, E as in Edward.com, where we speak truth with a Texas twang. So stay with us. When we come back, we're going to be talking more history and more how to inspire your children to love the stories of the past. We don't want to miss a moment at Fireside Talk Radio, so stay tuned for more adventures as we talk about the things women store and ponder in their hearts. More truth with a Texas twang when we return. Y'all to see my blue-eyed Sally. She lives way down on Shinbone Alley. The number on the gate and the number on the door in the next house over is a grocery store. Hi, this is Kathy. As women, we have a lot to ponder, but even the toughest topics are easier when we open up authentically and share our tenderest wisdom with each other. During this break, I want to mention a special way you can help other women. You can sign up for our blog and share it with your friends. Our podcasts are designed to create tools to talk about the toughest topics at home or at work. You can help by going to Kathy Crafty, C-A-T-H-Y-K-R-A-F as in Frank, V as in Victor, E as in Edward, dot com. We hope you love sharing these conversational adventures as much as we love bringing in experts to tell their stories and share their wisdom. Truth with a Texas twang spoken here. My parents are getting older and I want to be there to help. But sometimes I spend more time taking care of them than my own family. It's starting to put pressure on my marriage, and I feel like I'm ignoring my kids. My parents need help. I need help. My mom wants to stay at home, but she honestly can't handle it on her own anymore. I've been taking care of her, but I just want to be her daughter again. I know mom feels the same way. I'm not sure where to turn. If you're struggling to care for your parents, you're not alone. Home Instead Senior Care can help. With personalized service and a personal touch, our caregivers will help your parents stay in the place they call home. Home Instead Senior Care. To us, it's personal. Thank our generous sponsors for making these candid conversations possible at Fireside Talk Radio, where we talk openly about the things women store and ponder in their hearts, where truth and Texas twang meet. Hey, welcome back. We're talking to Danny Sessoms, and I am picking his brain. We're going to call this Growing Up a History Nerd with Danny Sessoms, and then the other episode we're going to do today, and I'll put it out there for everybody, is called Raising History-Loving Kids. And so don't miss that. If you're loving what Danny has to say already, 
you know, so many adults just don't like history. And yet here we have this amazing man who grew up the son of a bootlegger. His dad passed away early in life. You, you heard a little of that in that last segment. And then he was in the newspaper called Dinosaur Dan, which, by the way, Danny, I learned something new. I didn't know that about your uh, nickname. I, I may have to call you that myself. <laughs> but um okay so i want to ask you your favorite history story from history but i really want people to get a picture of why david and i hold you and candace in such high esteem and so i want to talk about a little bit about being our age and doing something really ambitious now your wife i asked her this morning how many books has she written and it's over 25 romance novels I think we need to give her some credit for making your bo- your book about history not boring. Hey, what? She's a very good writer. She's a very committed <laughs> to publishing and writing on any number of different veins. And she minds them quite well. And she's conversant in her writing every bit as much as she is in person. Plus... Actually, in the last couple of years, she has dedicated so much time to help get these two volumes published that i got to give her a lot of credit there. Well, I think it's not fair to call it a tome, and you did that in the last segment, but these two books are the kind of books that if you're a writer and this is your era, or if you're creating any kind of characters, these need to be on your shelf. They're amazing, and you laughed about the bibliography and all the stuff at the back, but i got to tell you, I was so impressed being a writer myself, I know how much effort goes into pulling together the kind of references and footnotes and bibliography information that will make other writers rejoice. I mean, you've just done everybody's homework for them. So, And you've got this wonderful wife who knows how to keep things juicy and fun. Not that there's a lot of romance in these two books, by the way. Just a lot of history and stories. You've collected all these great stories that were all from first source information that you've you've collected. So you've got the big part, this big dream come true is now on the shelves. And your next dream is something even more interesting and exciting. So tell us a little bit about what you're dreaming about next. Well, many years ago, I was fortunate enough to do a segment on educational TV under Dr. Barbara Montgomery at that time called uh, Our American Story. And in there, I did two uh, on-screen performances for them. One is a Revolutionary War soldier, uh, in this case was a Virginian who fought for the British on the Tory side. And then I did a Civil War impression of a Texas soldier who was a Confederate. And as luck would have it, and I mean my life has been luck, but I'm going to say God-inspired luck. Yeah. Uh, a Hollywood producer saw that. <laughs> and uh, gave me a call, and I'm, I've got to tell you, I thought it was a friend of mine pulling a joke on me at the time. <laughs> he said, we're going to do a series of movies called North-South. There will be a North-South 1 and a North-South 2, and we'd like for you to do some consulting work and to get some screen in the movie. Well, uh, fortunately for me, it evolved into a kind of a, semi-income producing project series because I did that movie. I did several others over a period of time, Alamo, The Price of Freedom, Glory, and and a number of PBS documentaries, TV, uh, Texas and the Civil War, etc. And all of this was using 
the things that I had researched because when you read my books, a lot of it is stories of the people telling what they were experiencing at a particular time and what impact it was having on them. And so I, as I developed this book, said, golly, wouldn't it be neat to chronicle the lives of all of these men, these women, these children? Mm -hmm. Wouldn't it be neat to be able to show people that there were people who came to Texas before the Civil War from the North who didn't believe in some of the things that were going on in the country and even in the state of Texas, but when the war came, they still fought for the South. They fought for their new native state. I had Germans and Hispanics who fought, and blacks who fought in those regiments that constituted Granbury's Texas Brigades. One thing I would impress upon your audience is the need to look at the driving force because women in the 1850s and 1860s were the driving community resource. And in my book, I talk about people who literally women who took over the leadership of their home and heart, not only, but also the family lands. They drove the cattle. They raised the crops. They helped work in hospitals and factories and things like that. And so they they weren't just on the sidelines observing this thing. Poor old Molly Scurlock from Johnson County and Marianne Formwalt over there from uh, near Waco, they would write how the Indians were raiding in their territories and killing people, burning farms and stuff. I'm afraid to go outside. And that has to have an emotional impact not only on those women at the time, but reciprocally on women today in our society. You can't help but get little chill bumps when you think of those women almost without any help at all trying to manage their properties, to care of their kids, see that they're raised right, and that involved a lot of religious inculcation by those parents, especially those women. But even the men, when they wrote home telling their young children, obey your mother and study your Bible. And that Think really of that. is this day. I think we still see the remnants of that in this culture. The women in Texas are strong women. And we seem to attract even the new people that come here. We seem to attract those kind of people. So I, I am fascinated. I hope you will think about writing a book about just the women. Danny, I would love to see you do that. I, I love what you've written already. And and I'm excited about the idea that the documentary will have some of those those pieces in it. So tell us a little bit more about this documentary we can look forward to. Well, there were approximately 10,000-plus men who enrolled in these eight regiments. And during the course of that time, they were in service and in the military. They suffered such horrendous losses that at war's end, there were only 452 of them left to surrender. And that is an extraordinary casualty ratio. Uh, But men and women in the 1850s and 1860s were so far different from my generation in the 1950s and the 1960s because they were further removed towards the frontier life and therefore, they just had to suck it up, I guess I would say, and make themselves known. So my object would be is to show how those people living in that period of time really morphed into the Texas cowboy, Texas cattle, uh, post-war people. Those people also, when I was a kid, 
we look back on the people who lived and worked in the oil field or raised their children, mm-hmm. which was equally demanding and tough on them as mm-hmm. being the byproduct of their previous generation. So we're all connected tissue back to our antecedents on this earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the independent streak and the self-sufficiency, you really don't have to talk about that in Texas much. People just get it. That's right. And and it's very difficult for other people who come here because, quite frankly, we're a little bit enamored with ourselves sometimes. <laughs> I think that's true. And you know what else is funny to me is... Uh, when I think about some of the things that other people take for granted, and I remember my own grandparents, they would have been horrified. I mean, they just felt that, especially, for instance, education, that was not a, a right. Like, that was a privilege. Anybody that had a chance to get an education was blessed. And so it wasn't something they demanded. It was something they thanked God for. It was a totally different perspective. Well, we have about three minutes, so I want to throw it to you and ask you this. Of all the big dreams that you've gotten to dream, what is the wish you have for others? I wish people today could look back without condemnation on previous generations for one thing or another, a political, a social, an ideological disagreement that they might have, and study people in the light of the time they were living in and the impact that they made upon subsequent generations, I always characterize it as being like I was a track, not star, but a performer, and the relays always demanded a very intricate handoff between one runner to the next runner, and it was such a perfect thing that it's hard for us to understand if we haven't ever run that kind of a race, how difficult it is. So when we look back on the past, we need to understand that I don't get to run a lap or a, a, a part of a race unless the previous person brought that baton to me and handed it off to me. So collectively, mm-hmm. every decision that you and I make daily is based upon not only our own personal history, but our state and our nations. Yeah, that's really good. And it makes you want to be pause and consider the decisions we make now so that we hand off something really beautiful to our children. My dad was big on that. He always felt that we were so blessed in this country and that we owed it to each other to come together and really hand off something beautiful to the next generation. Danny, I see you doing that in so many great ways, even all the years you spent in the classroom in colleges teaching kids to really appreciate the stories from our history. I want to thank you for that. I'm going to say this. We're going to do another episode called Raising History Loving Kids, and I am going to pick Danny's brain about what we can do to ensure that our children really value the stories that come to us down the generations and all that our ancestors did to to create this beautiful nation. So don't miss that. And you can find all of that at dannysesums.com or at Kathy, C-A-T-H-Y, Crafty, K-R-A, F as in Frank, V as in Victor, E as in Edward.com, where I'll be giving you plenty of ways to find Danny. So look for us there. And don't forget, this is where we speak truth with a Texas twang. And we're really grateful for you and glad you joined us today. We hope to see you soon, and don't forget to look for our other podcasts and our blog at kathycrafty.com, Truth with a Texas Twang. 
Thank you for joining us today where we speak truth with a Texas twang about the very things that touch our hearts. Thank you for joining us today, and we will see you again next week. Oh, settled. Got in.